Section two of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter two. Dear boy, you are by this time, I suppose, quite settled and at home at Lausanne. Therefore, pray let me know how you pass your time there, and what your studies, your amusements, and your acquaintances are. I take it for granted that you inform yourself daily of the nature of the government and constitution of the thirteen cantons, and as I am ignorant of them myself, must apply to you for information. I know the names, but I do not know the nature of some of the most considerable offices there, such as the Avoyers, the Saizeniers, the Banderets, and the Gros Sautiers. I desire, therefore, that you will let me know what is the particular business, department, or province of these several magistrates. But as I imagine that there may be some, though I believe no essential difference, in the governments of the several cantons, I would not give you the trouble of informing yourself of each of them, but confine my inquiries, as you may your informations, to the canton you reside in, that of Bern, which I take to be the principal one. I am not sure whether the Pays de Vaud, where you are, being a conquered country, and taken from the Dukes of Savoy in the year 1536, has the same share in the government of the canton as the German part of it has. Pray inform yourself and me about it. I have this moment received yours from Bern, of the 2nd October new style, and also one from Mr. Hart, of the same date, under Mr. Burnaby's cover. I find by the latter, and indeed I thought so before, that some of your letters and some of Mr. Hart's have not reached me. Wherefore, for the future, I desire that both he and you will direct your letters for me to be left at chez Monsieur Walters, agent de S.M. Britannique, à Rotterdam, who will take care to send them to me safe. The reason why you have not received letters either from me or from Grevenkop was that we directed them to Luzon, where we thought you long ago, and we thought it to no purpose to direct you upon your route, where it was little likely that our letters would meet with you. But you have, since your arrival at Luzon, I believe, found letters enough from me, and it may be more than you have read, at least with attention. I am glad that you like Switzerland so well, and am impatient to hear how other matters go, after your settlement at Luzon. God bless you. Letter 3 London, December 2nd, Old Style, 1746 Dear boy, I have not in my present situation— his lordship was, in the year 1746, appointed one of his majesty's secretaries of state, time to write to you, either so much or so often as I used, while I was in a place of much more leisure and profit, but my affection for you must not be judged of by the number of my letters, and though the one lessens, the other, I assure you, does not. I have just now received your letter of the twenty-fifth past, new style, and by the former post, one from Mr. Hart with both which I am very well pleased, with Mr. Hart's, for the good account which he gives me of you, with yours, for the good account which you gave me of what I desired to be informed of. Pray continue to give me further information of the form of government of the country you are now in, which I hope you will know most minutely before you leave it. The inequality of the town of Luzon seems to be very convenient in this cold weather, because going uphill and down will keep you warm. You say there is a good deal of good company, Pray, are you got into it? Have you made acquaintances, and with whom? Let me know some of their names. Do you learn German yet, to read, write, and speak it? Yesterday I saw a letter from Monsieur Beauchat to a friend of mine, 
which gave me the greatest pleasure that I have felt this great while, because it gives so very good an account of you. Among other things which Monsieur Beauchat says to your advantage, he mentions the tender uneasiness and concern that you showed during my illness, for which, though I will say that you owe it to me, I am obliged to you, sentiments of gratitude not being universal, nor even common. As your affection for me can only proceed from your experience and conviction of my fondness for you, for talk of natural affection is talking nonsense, the only return I desire is, what it is chiefly your interest to make to me, I mean your invariable pursuit of virtue, and your indefatigable pursuit of knowledge. Adieu, and be persuaded that I shall love you extremely, while you deserve it, but not one moment longer. Letter 4 London, December ninth, Old Style, 1746 Dear boy, Though I have very little time, and though I write by this post to Mr. Hart, yet I cannot send a packet to Lausanne without a word or two to yourself. I thank you for your letter of congratulation which you wrote me, notwithstanding the pain it gave you. The accident that caused the pain was, I presume, owing to that degree of giddiness, of which I have sometimes taken the liberty to speak to you. The post I am now in, though the object of most people's views and desires, was in some degree inflicted upon me, and a certain concurrence of circumstances obliged me to engage in it. But I feel that to go through with it requires more strength of body and mind than I have. Were you three or four years older, you should share in my trouble, and I would have taken you into my office. But I hope you will employ these three or four years so well, as to make yourself capable of being of use to me, if I should continue in it so long. The reading, writing, and speaking the modern languages correctly, the knowledge of the laws of nations, and the particular constitution of the empire, of history, geography, and chronology, are absolutely necessary to this business, for which I have always intended you. With these qualifications you may very possibly be my successor, though not my immediate one. I hope you employ your whole time, which few people do, and that you put every moment to profit of some kind or other. I call company, walking, riding, etc., employing one's time, and upon proper occasions very usefully. But what I cannot forgive in anybody is sauntering, and doing nothing at all, with a thing so precious as time, and so irrecoverable when lost. Are you acquainted with any ladies at Lausanne, and do you behave yourself with politeness enough to make them desire your company? I must finish. God bless you. Letter 5. London, February 24th, Old Style, 1747. Sir, in order that we may reciprocally keep up our French, which for want of practice we might forget, you will permit me to have the honour of assuring you of my respects in that language, and be so good to answer me in the same. Not that I am apprehensive of your forgetting to speak French, since it is probable that two-thirds of our daily prattle is in that language, and because, if you leave off writing French, you may perhaps neglect that grammatical purity and accurate orthography, which in other languages you excel in, and really, even in French, it is better to write well than ill. However, as this is a language very proper for sprightly gay subjects, I shall conform to that, and reserve those which are serious for English. I shall not therefore mention to you at present your Greek or Latin, your study of the laws of nature, or the law of nations, the rights of people or of individuals, but rather discuss the subject of your amusements and pleasures, for to say the truth, one must have some. May I be permitted to inquire of what nature yours are? 
Do they consist in little commercial play at cards and good company? Are they little agreeable suppers, at which cheerfulness and decency are united? Or do you pay court to some fair one, who requires such attentions as may be of use in contributing to polish you? Make me your confidant upon this subject. You shall not find a severe censor. On the contrary, I wish to obtain the employment of minister to your pleasures. I will point them out, and even contribute to them. Many young people adopt pleasures, for which they have not the least taste, only because they are called by that name. They often mistake so totally as to imagine that debauchery is pleasure. You must allow that drunkenness, which is equally destructive to body and mind, is a fine pleasure. Gaming, that draws you into a thousand scrapes, leaves you penniless, and gives you the air and manners of an outrageous madman, is another most exquisite pleasure, is it not? As to running after women, the consequences of that vice are only the loss of one's nose, the total destruction of health, and not unfrequently, the being run through the body. These, you see, are all trifles, yet this is the catalogue of pleasures of most of those young people, who, never reflecting themselves, adopt indiscriminately what others choose to call by the seducing name of pleasure. I am thoroughly persuaded that you will not fall into such errors, and that in the choice of your amusements you will be directed by reason, and a discerning taste. The true pleasures of gentlemen are those of the table, but within the bound of moderation, good company, that is to say people of merit, moderate play, which amuses, without any interested views, and sprightly gallant conversations with women of fashion and sense. These are the real pleasures of a gentleman, which occasion neither sickness, shame, nor repentance. Whatever exceeds them becomes low vice, brutal passion, debauchery, and insanity of mind, all of which, far from giving satisfaction, bring on dishonor and disgrace. Adieu. End of section 2. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.